Chapter 11 Ben was sitting in the office of Shelley Spencer, Master Rialta. Master Mouth would have been a more accurate title, as the woman never shut up. When she wasn't talking, she was giggling nervously. She didn't look much like Trish, so there wasn't really a family resemblance aside from her height and her fake boobs. Trish whispered to Ben that Shelley had gotten hers the month after Trish had shown up at a family Christmas gathering with her new boobs. Trish was a redhead while Shelley was blonde, big blonde hair in gentle waves to mid-back, soft blue eyes, very plump lips which may have been cosmetically enhanced, elegantly attired, tasteful jewellery but too much volume in her voice. Ben was already getting a headache from the woman's constant need to fill any silence with noise from her face. Trish picked up on Ben's discomfort and tried to play interference by distracting Shelley when she could. Shelley rushed off to get some paperwork. His lawyer was faxing to her. So Trish leaned over to Ben. I'm so sorry, Ben. I forgot how Shelley gets around men she's trying to impress. I haven't seen in her some time. I'd be more impressed if there was less coming out of her mouth. Maybe she needs to chew gum, bite down on a pencil, or find something else to do with her mouth other than talking, he grumbled. He knew it was more her nervousness that was grating on him than her talking, but he wasn't sure what to say about that. He looked at Trish. Maybe you could just ask her to calm down. The sale is a done deal. She's going to get her commission. I think she's a nice person. She just needs to relax. He noticed. Trish had a mischievous look on her face. What? You just made me think of something Shelley would love to do with her mouth, she said slyly. I'm really starting to worry that people have this impression of me as some kind of damn. Is there a term for promiscuous male? Male? Trish said with a smile. You're a million laughs, he growled. Sorry, Ben, you're gorgeous, sexy, and people assume you'll be great in bed. I mean from the one experience I had, which I will admit was way too rushed. It's true, Trish said rubbing her thighs together as she recalled the event. People want to believe in the possibility that you'll share all this with them, she gestured at his body. That's nice of you to say, but I'm not looking to bang anything that moves. I'm not even currently looking for a girlfriend, he replied quietly as he heard Shelley returning. Sorry about the wait. Ben, your lawyer faxed over the paperwork, so you'll just need to sign in the appropriate places. He was remarkably quick on the title search as well. Once you've signed, we can walk over to the bank to transfer the funds. Then I get my check. Shelley began to giggle once more. Ben's smile looked just a little strained. Trish knew what to say to stop Shelley from giggling. Ben, did I tell you Shelley and I once dated the same guy? and we didn't know he was two-timing us? Trish! You can't tell Ben that story, Shelley shrieked. We'd both started college, and he'd just graduated. He was older, more mature and worldly, a real smooth operator. I was in love, and Shelley was too. We just didn't know it was the same guy. Trish, please. Shelley started to blush, and her expression was moving from nervousness to panic. Ben started to feel bad for her and looked over at Trish, but she was lost in her reverie. I would have done anything for this guy. I was that infatuated with him. Hell, I did do things with him I haven't done with anyone else, not even John. 
Trish blushed and squirmed as she squeezed her thighs together hard. God, he was hot. Then one day, he said he wanted to try a threesome, add another woman to the mix. I was a little threatened, but he made me feel special and loved, so I agreed. Speak, and we had those stupid feathered ball masks on, covering the top half of our faces only. I was nervous as hell, so we had a drink then another. Then we started. I have to admit it was pretty damn hot. What she could do with her mouth. It was the first time I'd seen anyone take a cock all day. Way down her throat. I'd never been able to do that for him. I should have been jealous, but I was just amazed. She was incredible, and the best part was she loved it. You could see it in her eyes, her movements, the way she breathed, her moans. I was mesmerized. It was breathtaking. Trish, please, don't. Shelley was whimpering, pleading, and her face and chest were red with embarrassment. And it wasn't just that she loved it, it was all the more special, because she loved him. It was a pure connection between two souls. I had tears in my eyes. After his orgasm, I leaned down and kissed her to share, but the moment our lips touched, I knew. Knew. His smug, cruel expression made me ill, but what hurt most? Wasn't that he'd broken my heart? No, it was that he'd broken the heart of a woman who had expressed such pure passion and love. He hurt my cousin and love. He hurt my cousin, and I could never forgive him for that. I loved her far more than I loved him. Shelley's face was the picture of surprise. She was crying, but the tears were no longer of embarrassment. They were of love. Shelley grabbed her cousin in a hug, and the two women cried together. Ben was awestruck. Obviously, this was the first time Shelley had heard Trish's confession of love. What seemed to begin as an embarrassing and potentially cruel tale had turned into something truly special. He wondered why Trish had chosen this moment to open up to her. He felt honoured to have been included. Tears were running down his face. Trish looked over and smiled at her neighbour. Oh Ben, you're such a sweet man. You know you're the reason I was finally able to tell Shelley how I truly feel. What? Me? Ben exclaimed. Brutal honesty, she said. You said it to Tina, and she told me what that meant last night. How you can't live any other way. I thought about when in my life I had been less honest than I should have been. There was one truly defining moment where I should have been truthful. I immediately thought of my beautiful loving. Cousin and how I'd left her there that night, and never let her know that I didn't hate her for taking that worthless man from me. I left because I was so consumed with rage for that selfish bastard that I couldn't trust myself to speak. I was afraid of the violence I wanted to do to him. She looked at her cousin. I only wish I'd had the strength to speak my mind that night and drag you away with me. Shelley was still holding her cousin and love was written all over her face. Trish leaned her forehead against Shelley's. I love you, cousin. Shelley's smile glowed across her entire face, and tears of joy continued to fall. It took a while, but they finally got control of themselves and dabbed the tears from their eyes. Shall we go to the bank now? Ben asked. Yes, let's, Shelley said. She was so much calmer, and Ben could finally see the grace she'd hidden behind her nerves. When they got outside, Trish hooked her arm through Ben's, and Shelley looked up at Ben, hopefully. 
He put out his other arm, and she put hers through it. They walked like that all the way to the bank. Ben spoke with the manager, and the man authorised the transfer from his account to Trish's. He also arranged the cheque for Shelley. Trish paid off the remaining balance on her mortgage, and was still left with over $675,000. She rushed across the bank and leapt into Ben's arms with a whoop of joy. Customers turned to look, and smiles were on a lot of faces. Feeling a little more comfortable now? Ben asked, putting her back on her feet with a smile. Yes, my future looks a lot more promising. And a critical mistake in my past has been repaired. She took Shelley's hand in hers. And I owe both to you, Ben. I can't really take credit for you and Shelley. That was your bravery and your love for your cousin, Ben said. You were right. He is a sweet man, Shelley said, looking at Ben, who squirmed under their admiring eyes. They walked back to Shelley's office arm in arm again, only their grip on Ben was a little tighter now. Back at the parking lot, Ben said his goodbyes as he had to head home. Trish insisted on giving Ben a big kiss. She pressed her body against him, and her tongue explored his mouth. This had the intended effect, and Ben swelled quickly in his tight pants. What Ben couldn't see was Trish reaching out for her cousin's hand. As Trish's tongue tangled with his, he felt a tentative touch on his bulge between their bodies. Then, the hand was pressing hard and sliding up until it was gripping the head. He heard Shelley gasp and his eyes opened. She was standing right next to them, hiding her actions, and it was her hand rubbing and squeezing his cock through his pants, with Trish guiding her wrist. He pulled back from the kiss and took a step away, which made them pull their hands back. He was trembling with reaction. His body wanted more, but his mind was confused. Trish, we'll talk later. Shelley, it was really nice meeting you, he said, his voice deep and rough. Ben turned and walked awkwardly to his truck and quickly pulled out of the lot. He saw them standing together, watching him drive away. It was difficult driving with his erection, trying to escape from his pants. Once more, his body betrayed him. He'd just finished telling Trish he didn't want to be promiscuous, and she was encouraging her cousin to grab his cock. Finally, he just forced himself to put the event out of his mind and concentrate on his next project, saving Tina's financial resources. He got home and immediately called his lawyer. The man said that the prenup was solid. He'd spoken with James' lawyer, and there was no wiggle room. All assets were exclusively in James' name, and there was more bad news. James had made a lot of bad news. James had made a lot of bad investments and hadn't properly insulated his personal assets. His estate was being sued, and the bank had already moved to seize the funds in his account, the house and the car. There would be no money. The good news was that James had done such an excellent job of isolating Tina that she was protected from the outstanding debts. Any assets she had were protected and she couldn't be named in the lawsuits. She could walk away. Ben was glad he'd told her to get her personal items from the house, as to try now would just get her in trouble. He thanked his lawyer and hung up. Late in the afternoon, his doorbell rang. Gabriella and Catherine were on his step, wearing identical looks of shame. He let them in, took their coats, and led them into the living room. 
After they turned down an offer for something to drink, Gabriella leaned forward and looked him right in the eye. Then, we just wanted you to know how sorry we are for accusing you of being an arsonist. When you protected us from the paparazzo, we were stunned by how far you were willing to go to protect your friends, she said earnestly. We were just worried that you might be caught this time, as they were likely to take what happened to the Celestial far more seriously. Ben nodded and sighed. I'm sorry about how I reacted last night. I can see how you might have made that leap to the idea I was responsible. Let me assure you I wasn't. I spent the evening talking with Hannah and Beth from Sevenpun until midnight, when I told Trish I'd take care of it, I meant by paying the debt. I don't by paying the debt. I don't by paying the debt. I don't. Think that will be necessary now. Ben stopped there as he didn't want to implicate his university buddy Dominic, whose calls had obviously been very effective. I saw a locksmith park in Tina's driveway this morning. Is she changing the locks? Cat asked. No, they were likely sent by the bank. They've seized all of James' assets as his estate is under a few lawsuits for his bad investments. Luckily, Tina is protected from those, but all she has now is the stuff she took out yesterday in some suitcases, he said sadly. No, Ben. She also has us as her friends. Where is she going to live? Gabriella asked. She and Christopher are going to live with Trish. I just bought Trish's house today, Ben said. The women looked at each other. That's great, Catherine said. What is she going to do for work? She'll need daycare for Christopher. Yeah, I figured she could get Christopher enrolled in Daphne's daycare when it opens. She's going to go to university for a Bachelor of Science in Accounting. It was what she had planned on doing before her parents married her off to that asshole, James. Again, the women shared a concerned look. Ben, how can she afford to do this? You said all she has are the suitcases with her. Unless they were filled with money, she's not going to be able to afford to pay for daycare, much less university, Gabriella said gently. I'm paying for it, was all he said. Why? Cat asked. Ben frowned, looking down at his big hands. He looked up at the two women who were leaning towards him with concern plain on their faces. He came to a decision. May I show you something? He asked quietly. They nodded. He got up and walked out of the room, gesturing for them to follow. He walked downstairs, and the two women stayed close. He stopped at a closed door and looked back. They saw he was struggling with something. This is my inner sanctum, if you will. This is where I spent the years after I resurfaced from losing Wendy, after Gabriella brought me home from the hospital. I haven't shown anyone this room. Kat and Gabriella were both very curious and just a little apprehensive. Ben punched in a code on a panel they couldn't see, and the lock clicked open. He pushed into the dark room, and the light came on automatically. The room was enormous, and Gabriella realized it had to extend out under the backyard. There was some kind of machine shop at the far end of the room, and dominating the foreground was a huge drafting table, surrounded by smaller tables with papers and tools stacked upon them, neatly organized clutter. Along one wall was a series of lit display cases. Inside were objects of different sizes and shapes. Nothing was recognizable, but thankfully, nothing looked in the least sinister. Gabriella, 
and Catherine both took a deep breath, and they grinned because they realized they'd both been holding their breath, then walked over to the first display case. Inside was a small silver valve. Before I left university, I designed and patented this valve, far more efficient and safe for use in nuclear power installations. I sold the patent for $4 million and invested it well. I could have lived off that, but for my master life plan, I wanted a home, a wife, and a big family. Ben moved over to the next display. This was a new type of insulator, which greatly reduces electric current harmonics. I sold the patent for $10 million. I invested that too. He turned back to the two women. I had my nest egg. I needed the home, wife, and family. He gestured to the house. I got one out of three. Wendy was sterile, and I was pretty close to being sterile myself. No kids. She didn't take it well. I reminded her that she would never have kids. She left me for someone who could make her happy. He winced and turned away, tears coming to his eyes. Catherine reached out, but Gabriella caught her hand as she knew Ben still needed to get through his story. You know the next five years of my story? Drunk and good for nothing much else. I'd lost all purpose. My master life plan disappeared like the smoke it was made of. Nothing proves how stupid making plans can be like a smack in the face by life. Then, the day of the pedophile. A child on my street. One of my neighbor's children being abducted. I couldn't let that happen. When I had his neck in my hands, I looked at you and Miriam, and I thought of the grief and pain he was going to cause you both when he went to trial, and I couldn't let that happen. I was so angry. Then he was dead. I killed him. It wasn't an accident. It was murder. At that moment, I realized how low I was willing to go. What kind of person I really was. It didn't matter what happened to me after that. For all my careful planning, I hadn't amounted to anything in the long run. But if I could protect just this one child, it somehow it felt like maybe. Just maybe, it made up for everything. Ben looked at Gabriella with tears in his eyes. I had three bullets in me, and that wasn't enough to end me. As a cosmic joke, one of them deflected off a bone and finished the job of neutering me, a bullet vasectomy. Take that for the ironic twist it is. A monster who destroys children's lives, ensuring his killer can't bring any children of his. Own into the world. Ben shook his head and started to move a little further down the wall of display cases. Gabriella and Catherine followed with tears of their own in their eyes. When I got home, I just went into automatic pilot. I fell into a routine of working out and spending time in this room. I'd find an issue someone reported on the engineering forums, and I'd come up with a solution. I'd patent the design and license it out to some manufacturing plant to provide the actual physical products. Sometimes I'd just sell the patent and invest the money. Lately, I've done a few just for fun. Once I solved a Mexican electrical power station technician's issue, and I emailed him the solution anonymously saying it was his to do with, as he chose. He made a fortune, and it benefited his hometown immensely, spreading the wealth. The women looked at the display cases and realized there were maybe 50 of so little devices, each representing a small fortune if what Ben was telling them was accurate. They believed him. Money, I have. What I lack is purpose. My parents died when I was young, 
so I wasn't born to take care of them. I have no brothers, sister, or even cousins to love and support. I can't produce children of my own to carry on the family name. I'm a genetic dead end, and my family tree ends with me. Obviously, I'm not here to make a wife happy. What do I have? I can engineer and invent solutions and generate money. But money is useless without a purpose too. Ben's tears were flowing freely, but he didn't appear to be aware of them. Tina is young, young enough to be my daughter had I been so fortunate. But her life was given a bad start. I can help her get her life back on track. It's only money. I don't care about that. It's far more important to me that she not waste that brilliant mind of hers. She needs to get her life back and I can help her so I will. That gives my life just a little purpose. I love this neighborhood. I don't socialize with everyone, but there are people in it who are like parts of the family I never had. I want to protect that. If I can keep a member of that family close by, using some of my money to buy her house and provide her with a place to live in it, I'm going to do it. It makes me feel like I have a purpose. Like maybe, just maybe, I'm worth something. The women couldn't take any more, so they rushed to his side and grabbed Ben in a fierce hug. The three stood there in his office, crying and holding each other. Finally, he pulled away and led them from the room. He locked it up tight and led them back to the living room. Like I told Tina, I don't like secrets. So I'm not going to ask you to keep what I've told you a secret, but I'd really appreciate it if you could use discretion in who you share it with and avoid talking about it if you can. Hannah is the only other one I've shared with, and she's only heard some of it. You two are special to me, Ben said, looking down at his clenched hands in his lap. Ben, you are special to us as well, Gabrielle said, and placed her hand on top of his. Catherine placed hers on top as well. The doorbell rang, breaking the moment. Ben got up and went to the door. Standing outside was Trish, who was looking nervous. He let her in. Trish missed the extra coats hanging on the hooks and immediately went into her apology when the door closed. Ben tried to get her attention, but she missed that too. Ben, I'm so sorry if I've upset you. I just wanted to show you how much it meant to me you're bailing me out of my financial crisis. When I kissed you and you got so hard like that, I just had to show Shelley because I love her so much and she could really make you feel good with her amazing mouth and she could really make you feel good with her amazing mouth and, like I said, she really loves it. Trish! I have company, Ben finally yelled to stop her. Her mouth was open and her wide eyes darted to the entrance of the living room where Gabriella and Catherine appeared. They stood glaring at Trish with their arms crossed. Oh, God, she peeped, her face shading to match her hair. Please, in the living room now, Ben growled. Trish kicked off her boots and Ben hung up her coat. Gabriella and Catherine tried to sit next to Ben on the couch, but he didn't want this to look like he was ganging up on Trish. She made a mistake. He just wanted to clear the air. Trish took the chair facing the couch. He let Gabriella and Catherine take the couch. Then he shifted over to the ottoman between them and Trish. I'm flattered by the attention. I really am. I'm finding. I definitely have a weakness for beautiful women. And you all qualify as that. My body seems to have a mind of its own. It acts like a freaking teenager 
but I need to make something clear. I'm not looking for a girlfriend right now. I'm not looking for a girlfriend right now. I'm not much of a catch at the moment. Please, let me finish. There has been an unprecedented increase in kissing in recent days. I went years without the touch of lips on mine, and now the three of you, that I enjoy these moments, but afterwards I'm left confused and worried I've led you on. It tears me up inside. I'm not promiscuous. I'm not a player. I'm having difficulty with the emotional context of all of this. With Tina, I've been bluntly honest in making it very clear that while I can help, give her life structure and direction. In the short term, she understands that she and I will not be a couple. She deserves someone her own age. I've kissed Beth too, but she knows we're playing and it's therapeutic, a way to bring her back to that fun, vivacious woman she used to be. Ben looked deeply into the caring eyes of the three women in front of him. But you three, you leave my heart is tied in knots. It's far too easy to see myself falling in love again. I can't. Not right now. I'm not worthy of any of you as I am. I'm terrified of hurting you. It would be Wendy all over again. He put his hands over his face and shuddered. The three women looked at each other with worried eyes. They didn't want to hurt Ben or each other. Trish was first to speak. Ben, please don't worry about me. I'm not hurt. I'm flattered that you could see yourself falling in love with me. But please know I'm not looking for love right now either. I apologize for not making that clear before. For not understanding or even acknowledging your confusion. My heart is still stinging over John. I'm doing my best to just look out for myself for the next little while. You were right. I went from a very active sex life to complete celibacy, and it shocked me. An important part of my life was missing, and I tried to fill it with you. If you like, you can think of what you did with me as what you did with Beth, purely physical therapy to heal the soul. I loved it, and I think you need it as well. It's fun, and it's a close therapeutic connection to someone. That doesn't make you a player. A bad attitude does. I'll be there for you if you just want to have some no-strings-attached therapy. So will my cousin. Play your cards right. We may even reenact that story I told you. Anyway, I have to go. Think about it. Trish patted his leg and let herself out. Ben watched Trish go, with reddened eyes, his embarrassment plain to see. He looked back at Gabriella and Catherine. So, I didn't understand the signals she was sending at all. I probably read your intentions wrong as well. God, I'm such an idiot. I'm so sorry for embarrassing you like that. Gabriella and Kat saw the catch-22. It they admitted they wanted his love. He'd be torn about hurting one of them. If they denied their need, he'd be crippled with embarrassment. Gabriella thought the best option was to delay the conversation. Ben, it's been a very emotional day. I think we should take some time to think. See how things look in the light of a new day. You sleep well. Thank you for opening up to us today. It was truly special. She stood and pulled Catherine along with her. Ben just watched them go, confused and emotionally exhausted. When they got outside, Catherine turned to her friend. Are we doing the right thing? Right now, I don't think they're the right thing, she replied. 